Hello and welcome to Star Wars TV Talk, a fan podcast covering the news from Lucasfilm with a special approach on how it affects the upcoming live action series. Today we are going to discuss the news coming from Lucasfilm, that being the home release of The Last Jedi in the Cells, the Star Wars Resistance characters that we've been introduced to, and then we're going to top off the show with talking about Star Wars The Clone Wars, the 2008 film. And with me to help me tackle all this news is John. John, how are you doing? Doing good. Waiting for a baby to arrive, so getting a little antsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, waiting on a baby. Uh, I don't have any kids, but I've been in uh, the building when uh, family members have had kids, so I know that it, it is a uh, stressful time. Uh, high reward, but still <laughs> yes. very high stressful. risk, high reward. <laughs> exactly. So we hope that everything goes well and that that baby comes out and it's just as healthy as it can be. Uh, but I think I speak for everyone that knows you. We are super excited for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can second all that. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're excited on our end too. My wife is more than ready to have this done and over with, so we can get on with the business of raising kids. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's also a very scary thing. You can only worry about them forever. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. Yeah, it's a lifetime commitment. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But that is not exactly Star Wars related. So why don't we uh, get back on track here? What are we covering? Yeah. So Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, ever since The Last Jedi has been released, there's kind of been some uncertainty with how fans are receiving Lucasfilm properties. Well, The Last Jedi, as of now, is 2018's highest-selling Blu-ray. So, John, what do you think that means for the fandom, for Lucasfilm in general? What's your take on all this? Uh, I don't think it means a whole lot, but I, I think it is a bit of an indication that the casual fans, the ones that aren't super invested in star Wars, but just enjoy a good movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're embracing it, which, you know, is a good sign that just as a movie without all of the meta drama surrounding it, uh, you know, people are finding something worthwhile there. So that bodes well. And I think that's kind of in line with what our take was all along that, you know, if you're willing to step back and take the movie on its terms and just choose to enjoy it and not, uh, force it to try and be what you were expecting it to be or what you ideally would have liked to see. Uh, it, it's a pretty well-crafted movie and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a fun ride. So uh, people are finding something worthwhile in it. That's great. I'm happy for anyone that can sit down and escape for a couple hours and, you know, just bite mm -hmm. into some star Wars. So good. Yeah. I wonder if Netflix, it being on the Netflix uh, in both Canada and the U S for like the first time ever, cause we've mm -hmm. never had any star Wars products really, uh, be released so soon after the, the uh, theatrical release. I wonder if that had anything to do with people at home consuming the film again, having some time to digest it again, and like you said, appreciate it for what it is. Um, sometimes Netflix has that effect, but I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was thinking that Solo may do the same thing, not... Mm -hmm high like not high gross numbers but i i think that when solo is released in on blu-ray there there may be this once again showing that there are some casual fans out there that still enjoy the properties yeah now with star wars movies because they are spectacle 
a lot of people that have good home theaters, they want the Blu-ray because they want those big whiz bang movies to enjoy in their home theater. So Star Wars movies and just, you know, blockbuster movies tend to do well on Blu-ray regardless. So we're seeing a bit of that. Solo may benefit a little bit from that as well. Um, It has a lot of ground to cover because it took a much bigger financial hit uh, than, you know, many movies of that caliber with those kind of monstrous budgets. But in the long run, when you have a little bit of time and distance from the hype surrounding the release of a movie or the deflation of the fan base surrounding a movie uh, and people can just find it on their own terms. It, it tends to bode well and home video releases and the recurring revenue that you get on going from distribution deals. Uh, those do continue to perform for years. So, you know, Disney is going to find their money somewhere on solo. It just may take them a while to get there. Exactly. And my my one of my big concerns about being in the age of blockbuster films, like it's no longer this summer blockbuster. It seems like blockbusters are coming out in Mm -hmm. February, November, October. Uh, My biggest concern was that the price of movie tickets have gone up. And so when someone, you know, if uh, for fans and I think maybe even Star Wars fans are included in this, when they know that Avengers Infinity War is coming out. And they may come from a budget where they can only go to one film every few months. You mm-hmm. know, are they going to put Solo on the priority to see it? Um, I don't know. And then uh, I don't think that's the only reason, but I do think that some that that, that contributed to the loss oh, in, sure. in yeah. a small amount. Uh, yeah, for Solo in particular, that was a very crowded spring that they mm-hmm. were jammed into. Uh, there was a lot of fumbles with the release of Solo, so you can't pin it all just on the movie. Uh, it definitely had a few handicaps uh, working against it. But you're right. There are people that look at, going to the movies as something they reserve for just the biggest tentpole films that interest Mm -hmm. them. And, you know, it is a rare occasion when they actually make it out to the theater and they just say, yeah, we'll catch it on Netflix. We'll catch it on video. So the movie isn't dead just because it's box office doesn't perform. And, you know, we can hope that over time solo is embraced and, uh, you know, history will see it more warmly received than it was initially. That's, that's what we can hope. And, I, I want to be clear. Solo's problems aren't because of the movie ticket prices. There, it, <laughs> it, it had a problem with getting people to the theater in general. Right. But um, you know, for someone that appreciates it, I hope it makes it up. I hope that uh, that fans come to enjoy it the way that I did, um, and for what it's worth. Uh, but John, we are less than three weeks out <laughs> from Star Wars Resistance. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I emailed you and said, you know what, we're going to have all these shows dropping next year. Uh, we should probably, you know, get on the stick and rewatch Clone Wars and rewatch uh, Rebels and just make sure that we're like totally caught up and mm-hmm. on top of all the TV that's come out. And uh, then they say, yeah, no, no, we're ready to go now. We're just we're exactly. just going to drop it on October. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised that Uh, the development for this had been going on maybe a little longer than we realized Mm -hmm. and they were further down the road or they're just getting so good at being able to turn out these shows because it's essentially the same crew, you know, Dave Filoni and, you know, everyone that was involved in Rebels just kind of had an opportunity to be parlayed into this new thing. So they were already sort of ramped up. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they're they're ready to go and I don't think we're going to get through our rewatch of uh, Five Seasons of Clone Wars and then, you know, the new Clone Wars that's coming out and then Rebels. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but at least we can step back tonight and take a look at kind of what kicked off the modern era of Star Wars TV with the Clone Wars uh, premiere movie event. 
Yeah. So who do you think is busier out of the out of three people? Abrams, Favreau, or Filoni right now? Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I don't think any one of them is sleeping more than maybe four no. hours a night. Uh, well, these are all like high functioning, creative guys that they're always working, even when they're not working. You know, like the gears are turning. They're trying mm-hmm. to sort things out in their mind. Like they're decision makers, right? So they're just, they always have to be engrossed and invested in it. So even if, uh, you know, they're, they're sipping a drink by the pool, you know, that part of their mind is still thinking about how do we make our properties great. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited because from what we've seen from resistance so far, it looks like, uh, they've really got a good beat on what they want this show to be and a good angle on kind of how to make it fun and distinct from the other shows that have been out there. You know, it could exactly. just be more stormtroopers and clones and, uh, you know, Jedi and lightsabers. It could be more of the same. They, they could mm-hmm. definitely have gone that route, but it looks like uh, they're trying to find new pockets of the galaxy to peek in on and, and see what's happening more around the fringes. And I think that's, that's a great opportunity to mix things up and, and kind of hit it from a new angle with a new genre. Yeah, speaking of of this new genre, let's go ahead and get into Star Wars Resistance, which is completely different from everything that we've gotten before. Mm -hmm. Whenever they announced that it was the same, basically the same crew that did Clone Wars and Rebels, I figured it was going to kind of continue on this trend of the the same sort of almost like a claymation animation film. uh, Yeah, marionette puppet kind of look. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But then they they did something completely different and uh a, about a month ago we got our first glimpse at resistant concepts but now we got this video that introduces the aces so let's kind of take a second and talk about the aces sure um so what was your overall take on on these new characters um the characters all make sense because any showrunner worth his salt is going to try and appeal a little bit to all the different, you know, character archetypes and uh, the people that are going to resonate the most with your target audience. So, you know, you've got, you know, the, the plucky young girl pilot and you've got kind of like, you know, the grizzled old uh, war weary, you know, character, and then you've got every shade in between. So this is, this is very star Warsy in its diversity of characters. And it looks like, you know, they've, they've managed to paint some portraits here that are going to be good as an ensemble, right? Like lots of different characters you can peek in on and uh, go on different sort of adventures. You've got, you know, one guy who's uh, Poe Dameron spy in training. And then you've got other guys that are just like flyboys, gearheads, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're all about the thrill and the race. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of characters in the mix that I think are going to be fun to peek in on. Yeah. So before all this stuff happened, back when they announced rogue one being released, I had like a thought where I didn't really care about anything dealing with Star Wars outside of the Jedi. Like I was like, I love sure. Star Wars and I specifically <laughs> love it for the Jedi. But then Rogue One happened and I'm like, you know what? I think I just love Star Wars, just everything about it. <laughs> uh, and so whenever I saw this material from uh, from Resistance, I'm like, this is kind of like a funner version of Top Gun in space. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm super excited because I, I don't care what anyone says. Top Gun is one of my all-time favorite movies of all. Uh, so I will um, – I'm going to watch the crap out of Star Wars Resistance. Like I'm actually excited yeah, uh, so for this to come out. And three weeks away, mm-hmm. they've had to be working on this for a while. That's just 
I yeah, don't I don't know. I don't think we should underestimate what a good season team can do when they just buckle down and get it done. Like I don't think they've been in development that long. But right. this has probably been in the back of Dave Filoni's mind for a while. Mm-hmm. Like he probably pitched it a long time ago and then, you know, they got the green light, Rebels was wrapping up. They said, "Okay, yeah. time to ramp up." And then they just hit the ground running and here's where we're at. Um mm-hmm. To kind of speak to what you were saying about sort of it being Top Gun for kids, I'm seeing shades of like Gundam Wing or Robotech. Um, It's no secret that it's obviously very anime inspired in in the actual visual style of it and just, uh, you know, kids and their machines sort of as the overarching theme of the show. Um, And as a kid, I love that kind of stuff. I, I sought out Japanese animation when it was still difficult to find. So I kind of like that this is a nice blending of kind of Western and Eastern um, all fused into yeah. uh, a, a very fun, lighthearted Star Wars fair, which is kind of true to Star Wars roots too, right? Mm-hmm. Like Lucas was all about cruising in cars in his youth exactly. and he wanted to fuse Eastern stuff into Star Wars. And obviously, you know, he did it very heavily with the first one, especially so mm-hmm. I mean, this is all coming full circle here. This is all very much the kind of stuff that you would want to see in Star Wars and that we've kind of just gotten away from a little bit. Right. You know, it is nice to just kind of peek in on um, exceptional kids doing exceptional things in an exceptional world. And that's that's sort of what this is kind of all about. Yeah. Even though George Lucas is sitting at home on his billions of dollars that he <laughs> made from selling the Star Wars properties, uh, I really love that Lucasfilm is going back and paying these nods to what Star Wars is all about. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Star Wars is the meshing and the blending of different cultures. And I think that's why I loved it so much is that you have from the very beginning that that set the tone that it was different cultures being brought into this weird space opera that no one really knows <laughs> how it became a thing. Um, and I and I feel like we really see that in Star Wars Resistance, and I like I appreciate what you said that it uh, you know it reminded you of these old Japanese anime, and we've known for a long time that the uh, that the Asian population has been a huge portion of Star Wars fandom, and so mm-hmm. I really appreciate that that you know they're taking that culture and kind of adding in these westernized elements and adding in these Star Wars elements to make it something that I think that all fans will be able to enjoy. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet this is probably the first Star Wars series that Lucas is actually just going to be a fan of, you know, like be able to sit back and say, yeah, this kind of speaks to me. It's it's almost like a new take on pod racing. Like a lot of it is very much the 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 thrill of, um, you know, extreme courses and vehicles that are pushed to their limits and all that kind of stuff, I think, really is going to speak to Lucas. Obviously, he was on board with Clone Wars because he was, you know, heavy, heavily involved in the development and production of that. But uh, I think this is maybe one that he can probably just you know, kick back and, and enjoy as a fan. And I hope he does. It, it mm-hmm. kind of seems like he deserves it at this point. He's never been yeah. able to be separate from the franchise and be at peace with it. And I think he's, you know, far enough out from the sale of star Wars at this point that maybe he could just kick back and enjoy it as a fan. I hope he does. Yeah. And I hope that they, I hope they get back to having some of these, uh, like if they introduce these new spaceships um, in Star Wars Resistance or whatever it is, I hope that uh, that they take into consideration to integrate like some 1960s, 1970s uh, <laughs> old classic car models into. You see into a bit of that. This. You yeah. see a bit of that. I don't know, like specifically cars that they're referencing, but the visual style does harken back to especially 
the anime of the 70s, like mm-hmm. everything from Speed Racer forward in kind of the the look of the vehicles and how detailed they are and just the way they frame the shots when they like take off and land. It, it just it has a very dynamic look that Japanese animation was really good at capturing back when you still had to do it, you know, with mm-hmm. regular old 2D cell animation. They knew how to frame a shot and bring a lot of dynamic life to something that was still hand drawn. And this is aping that and doing it very well, even though still, you know, at its core, this is a 3d show. Mm-hmm. It's got the look and uh, I'm really excited to to see how they use that palette. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's no uh, better way to get ready for Star Wars Resistance, even though we've already started our binge watch and we've committed <laughs> to, uh, to discussing these things. Let's go ahead and get into Star Wars, uh, the clone wars, the film was released in 2008. Now, mm-hmm. it has, it's, you know, it's past its 10-year anniversary. Made me feel a little bit older <laughs> than what I am. Um, and it's also was kind of a film, and even the series itself, you feel like that there were some, you know, some fanboy uh, disagreements. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into that, for those of you that are listening and may not remember, I'm just going to go over the plot really quick. So during the Clone Wars, uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan lead the Republic clone army against the Separatist droid army, awaiting reinforcements. The two Jedi are greeted by a shuttle that has the iconic character, or the soon-to-be iconic character, the young Padawan Ahsoka Tano. And she has been assigned to Anakin. Basically what happens is they have the huts that are dealing with a kidnapping. Anakin and Ahsoka are sent on a mission to retrieve this kidnapped hut. And a lot of stuff happens from the beginning (laughs) to the end and sets up for the series that many people love. So, John... What were your initial thoughts when you first saw this film? Okay. Uh, well, I did see this in the theater. I saw it opening night when it came out. Okay. Um, I was a little wary going into it because the prequels were kind of a mixed bag in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. they had their moments, but nobody was really quite sure what the future of Star Wars was going to be because the prequels mm-hmm. had sort of just fallen flat in inspiring Right. Um, sort of this, you know, next wave of Star Wars. Um, and so this was Lucasfilm kind of showing us what the grand vision was of how they were going to fill in the gaps between Attack of the Clones and Revenge yeah. of the Sith. And uh, most people didn't have really high expectations for it, but I kind of went into it very hopeful because I thought it was going to be surprising. I thought maybe Lucasfilm could do more in animation than they could in the movies to kind of make that era of star Wars seem really exciting and fun. And the first time I saw it, I was a little put off because it sort of veered even more towards the childish aspects of, you know, dialogue and, and sight gags and just some of the the more trivial aspects of the prequels. than I was kind of comfortable with, I wanted yeah. to see sort of a return to form and I was hoping it would set the bar really high for what they could do with animation. And I felt like it just sort of embraced the prequels and felt just like another outing of the prequel era material, which honestly is what it is <laughs> and that's what it was intended to be um but i guess my expectations were higher because i was just hoping for something a little bit more sort of mature and and refined and smart and i don't feel like i got that the first time i watched it now that's subsequently changed over the last decade but 
to answer your question. That was my initial thought the first time I saw it in the theater. Yeah, uh, you're braver than I was. So I, <laughs> whenever I went and I watched Revenge of the Sith premiere night, I was convinced that this was the last time that I would ever go <laughs> into a theater and watch a new Star Wars film. I was okay. just like, this is the last one. Um, I had I had zero hope of anything happening. Like the only thing was like, oh, yeah, maybe his kids will make one when he dies. Like maybe the the they will carry on the legacy. But I did not foresee. Um, him selling it uh, because I didn't think that he would trust anyone enough to sell it and right. um, and I didn't think that anyone would offer him enough money. Well, then here comes Disney after making a lot of money on the Marvel properties and gives him the offer. Uh, so I didn't I didn't see the film probably until like 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, like, yeah, I waited a long time before I finally opened up. Um, the Clone Wars had already... Because I hadn't watched any of the Clone Wars before 2012. Okay. Once once I had some friends that I trusted, really just like, hey, <laughs> Zach, you should watch the Clone Wars. It's really good. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then I think around 2012 was when they announced that Darth Maul was coming back in the series. I think around that, maybe a little bit later. I can't remember exactly. Um, but I remember somehow, sometime around there, they said that, and then that sparked my interest, and I went back and I watched the movie. Um, my initial thoughts were kind of the same as yours. Like, oh, this is kind of cheesy. I don't know. I didn't know how I felt about being a college student sitting in my dorm watching um, The Clone <laughs> Wars. Uh, so... Uh, so I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how I feel about how I felt about it. Then I started getting into the series, and by that time, uh, a couple years after that, by that time the show was done and it was all on Netflix, and so then I was able to um, binge watch it for the first time. But the film itself, uh, I've only watched it twice. This was my second time watching it. So first initial thoughts, this is kind of cheesy, this is weird, I don't like it. I only watched it as my introduction to the Clone Wars, um, and then uh, I watched it again. Mm -hmm. So before we get into how we think of it now, John, w do you have an idea of how this film was initially received? Yeah, because I was the there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, not well. It was right. critically panned. Uh, fans didn't embrace it. Uh, they thought that Ahsoka in particular was an annoying addition to the franchise and that this lowered the bar at a time when everyone really wanted the bar raised. That exactly. was the the feeling was that anytime there's a new Star Wars endeavor coming out, the fans want it to just be wonderful and recapture mm -hmm. the magic of A New Hope. And it never does. <laughs> and every time that it doesn't, it just kind of embitters them a little more. Um, so yeah, people were pretty cold on this. It, it mm -hmm. didn't really help launch the show or just really set things off on a good foot for a lot of them, at least the hardcore ones at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I remember feeling the same way. I, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I remember when it was released, people making comments about it. Um, I remember some of my peers making comments that weren't very good. Um, I remember the thing that turned me off completely was when someone said something about Anakin having a pad one. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And so then I remember just being more mad at the movie than I was even interested in. Um, so, what 
does this storyline specifically, and I still have this question, so this storyline in this film, what purpose does it serve? Like, do you have a better insight than me on this? <laughs> well, I have the cynical answer. Uh-huh. Uh, the cynical answer is it serves to launch a toy line and a TV show and, <laughs> you know, generate some revenue for Lucasfilm at a time when they didn't have a whole lot cooking. Uh, that's the cynical answer. But as far as like within the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty low stakes, really. Right. Like they're right. trying to open up um, uh, transit lines through hut territory. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, all sides are are pulling out all the stops to try and sort of win the Hutt's alliance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so if, if you're really kind of big on the uh, chronology of the Clone Wars and like to know what was going on where in the galaxy and people do map that out, you know, like it is, it is pretty well defined at this point. Um, You know, it it does have an impact Mm -hmm. on, you know, the, the storyline within the Clone Wars, but, you know, as far as Star Wars in general, it doesn't really change Kenobi's character. It doesn't change Anakin's character. There's no big arcs in this movie other than Anakin warming up to the idea of having a Padawan. That's like the right. only real sort of like human element where there's some some development or a, a character goes through a process of any kind. Otherwise, it's just sort of, you know, whiz bang, pew, pew, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the soundtrack like there's something about the soundtrack that didn't feel Star Wars to me. And I'm so yeah. happy that they fixed that in uh, in the series, like yeah. a, a completely different tone shift or not a tone, but as far as um, yeah, I had the, the soundtrack, the, yep. the tone shift. Uh, yeah, but you anyway, don't, you don't need rock guitars in your right. Star Wars soundtrack. It just <laughs> doesn't need to be there. Uh, and it, it like I would kind of understand if they came out in the 90s when everyone was kind of into that and they're like, you know, uh, but this coming out in 2008, I don't feel like anyone was like, you know, bobbing their head no. during Star Wars uh, needs Star Wars to feel like Wars. Star Wars. Exactly. You can take the story in fun areas and explore different themes and mix it up, but have something to ground it. And that's exactly. one of the cardinal sins of this movie is that they changed everything up all at once. So it's a little mm-hmm. jarring that way. Even the appearance of Anakin and Obi-Wan. Right. The Just their... You know what? Their battle attire, I guess, is what it's (laughs) their useless armor that covers their shoulders, but not their heart or vital organs. (laughs) Yes, Uh, I love that. Perfect for toys, right? Like great, exactly great merchandising, but practical in war, no. Yeah, and I have to admit, I'm tempted to buy the uh, the Funko Pop of Anakin and his worthless sure. attire now. So it it works; it serves its purpose. Uh, but I, I want to go back to that storyline real quick because the only thing I can think of, and I'm pretty comfortable with with feeling this way, is the purpose of the storyline to me is summed up in that final scene um, with Sidious. When people start asking, you know, and uh, him and Dooku are like, hey, we lost the huts, you know, uh, this whole plan, our plan has been exposed. And he makes a comment that basically he's saying that this is all according to my plan. Like everything's going exactly how I want it to go. This is just the beginning. Um, So setting the stage for the series, but also reinforcing the idea that Sidious had his hands in everything um, going on. And so... uh, to me, I am perfectly fine with this movie and just basically being like that last scene sums it up for me. Um, okay. I, I know there are problems in that, but that's that's just kind of how. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them kind of underscoring it, but that mm-hmm. is something they'd already established in the movies, right? Like right, this isn't exactly. breaking new ground. We, we know that Sidious's machinations mm-hmm. <laughs> and his manipulation of Dooku, that basically is the prequels. <laughs> you know, So um, it is nice that they 
tried to weave in some of those familiar elements and and build on them a little bit. But I think they also recognized that they had to create a standalone film that worked for kids just being introduced to the franchise for the first time. So they don't go heavy on any of that, right? Like even Anakin and Padme's marriage at this point is only alluded to in their cryptic statements through holograms, right? Like there's just a lot of broader Star Wars lore that this stays very cautiously away from. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and more so than the show, more so than toys, I think that this movie sets up the stage for the most important aspect of the Clone Wars, and that is Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. So, John, what can you say about the fans' initial reaction to Ahsoka? This is what I love and hate about Star Wars fandom, Mm -hmm. is... Everybody is so irrationally passionate the second they see anything new in Star Wars because it's never what they imagined. Mm-hmm. It's never what they wanted. But then in the long run, sometimes it turns out to be the thing that you never knew you wanted, but turns out it's great. Mm-hmm. And that is Ahsoka. She started out annoying, very poorly written, and uh, sort of a trivial throwaway character that you knew was going to be out of the picture by the time Revenge of the Sith rolls around. So you know, nobody really cared. It just seemed like a tacked on storyline that really was never meant to be part of Anakin's story. And fortunately the writers were sharp enough to let it blossom into something that was so much more. And now, you know, we've had her storyline kind of uh, continue to ascend through multiple series now and probably well into the future. This isn't the last we've seen of her. So, uh, you know, she's the gift that keeps on giving and, and it was a gift that nobody asked for or wanted initially, but I'm glad that, uh, they, they stuck with it and continued to build out her character and, and really kind of let her thrive as the series yeah. went on. Yeah. And I, I'm in that, that fan base where I was completely irrational. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> stupid. She's yep. annoying. Get her out of here. Why is she a thing? And I remember having a conversation when I first watched the movie, I'm just like, doesn't this undermine everything that Anakin goes through in Revenge of the Sith? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, wasn't he, you know, mad that he couldn't be a master? And then this, this, uh, this nice fan that I was talking to kind of brought me back and they're like, well, he wasn't a master in the Clone Wars. He was just, you know, a master of a Padawan, but he wasn't on the council as a master. And I'm like, so, and they're like, it's the same thing with Obi-Wan. You know, Obi-Wan takes over Anakin. This is similar because, you know, it is kind of a time of war, so they have to make exceptions to training. But I just, uh, basically, I realized that I completely made up in my mind uh, that a Jedi Knight couldn't have a Padawan. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's totally on you. That's never been a thing that I've, it never occurred to me that he wouldn't have been in line for a paddle. Right. Now he's young, right? Like he just basically went through his trials and was knighted mm -hmm. probably just weeks or months before the series starts. Uh, Cause we kind of see that in the mini clone wars vignettes, the cell animated ones. Right. Um, They show some insights on, on that, but uh, yeah, I, my only feeling was why would Yoda give a Padawan to someone in the midst of war who's kind of a, a blunt mm-hmm. instrument and a valuable tool on his own? Why right. saddle him with a kid? And why would you do it to someone who's just freshly minted as a Jedi himself rather than a seasoned pro? Like I could see right. Obi-Wan at this point getting another Padawan, but not Anakin. So logically it didn't really make sense, but then they kind of allude to the idea that they both kind of felt like the best way to tame Anakin's impetuous nature was to kind of 
beat him over the head with it, you know, mm-hmm. show him what a real immature bratty Jedi looks like. And it will force him to kind of be the stabilizing force, you know, the yeah. just make a man up. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so when they kind of hinted at that, I, it felt a little better, you know, a little easier to take. So I was okay with it. Yeah, and and that was me. Like for a long time, I struggled with this for months. Like in my mind, it was all like it was all figured out. And then I, like once I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I got that from nowhere. I completely mm-hmm. made that up myself. Um, and so maybe that's what some fans are doing. Like some fans don't like Luke's reaction to the Last Jedi, and they have their own ideas about what they think he should be doing. It's always um, the same. Yeah. You want the next Star Wars movie to be the storyline that you acted out in your sandbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, we always have a picture of what we think the storyline should be. Who Ray's parents should be. Blah 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 just because it doesn't go in that direction doesn't mean that what they come up with can't be satisfying. It's, it's our own expectations that kind of short circuit our ability to enjoy these movies sometimes. And I think that that happened in a large way when Clone Wars first came out. Yeah. And now we have Ahsoka where fans are (laughs) getting mad when she doesn't appear on the big screen. And so people are still talking about, you need to cast this person for the live action Ahsoka. You need to make sure that she's in this, uh, so, it, I mean, this shows that sometimes over time, the fan base, something they hated, they now love. We got to um, keep in mind, Return of the Jedi was panned and mm-hmm. fans revolted against the Ewoks and so many aspects right. of that film. Um, but you know what? For someone like me who came up with that as my first introduction to Star Wars, mm-hmm. I ate it up hook, line and sinker. And it yeah. has made me a fan that now, you know, enjoys you know, so many other Star Wars properties. Uh, so yeah, we can't underestimate what the real value of these is for different audiences who aren't quite as maybe obnoxiously obsessed mm-hmm. as the yeah. old timers tend to get the crotchety old timers who just want their Star Wars the way they want it. <laughs> yeah. And, and something beautiful I noticed was once I was able to get my mind around that, because after watching the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm not even watching the show. Cause this is stupid. All this stuff about Anakin. <laughs> right. And so, uh, but then once I realized that I was at fault and I started watching the show, I realized like, man, there's so much great material, extra material out there that I had completely written off right. that I could have been enjoying this whole time. And so, um, it was kind of like a second Christmas for me whenever I, <laughs> I started watching the show and everything. Um, so Anakin and Ahsoka, their relationship is continues throughout the clone wars in this same in the similar tone we have the rebellious not necessarily rebellious but very defiant yeah ahsoka impetuous Um, yes that's a perfect one um and anakin who is he's trying to be this um you know for uh I think trying to be a hard ass, right? Like he's, (laughs) he's trying to do this. Um, the only thing that I, that I completely didn't like about their relationship in this is that every time they're getting into some emotional argument, there's a baby hut strapped to their back. And that's the only thing that took me out of it. Uh, but yeah, so what do you have to say about Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship, how it started and how it's been, um, portrayed throughout the rest of the series? I think it started off pretty clunky. 
and mm-hmm. kind of obnoxiously. I, there's a lot about the dialogue in this movie, especially between Anakin and Ahsoka, that I didn't like just because it's really over the top. Uh, even for kind of kids' fare, it's a little too heavy-handed in how much she backtalks and how he always takes it the same way, you know, by getting, you know, stern and scoldy. Um, it just, there was no nuance to it, and it was just kind of abrasive after a while, just how you could almost expect that the next words out of Ahsoka's mouth were going to be some sort of backbiting comment on some way that Anakin had dropped the ball, and then, you know, Anakin would turn around and put her in her place. A little bit of that makes sense. Uh, but there was a lot of it in this movie. So I think it was something that they established early on that they felt they had to just keep kind of driving into the ground throughout the movie and it got a little grating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, but this is a perfect example. So think of how many fans saw this movie and then just wrote off the entire mm-hmm. series. Sure. Like how much did they miss? Well, we know they they missed several seasons of quality entertainment because if you are able to get through this movie and mm-hmm. and pick out of it the things that they're setting up that have merit, like mm-hmm. this is the first time we're seeing how they want to present kind of the clones and the droids in action uh, without right. kind of being tied down by the constraints of kind of what you saw in Attack of the Clones. Um once you kind of see how they make it a little bit more kinetic and they make the droids a little bit more menacing in some way. So, you know, the Jedi still cut them down pretty effortlessly when the plot demands it, but there's a lot more creativity in how they stage the battles and a lot more fun stuff that they show, like, you know, walkers going up the sides of mountains and stuff and droids falling left and right, that kind of stuff. You know, we haven't seen that in star Wars before. There's some inventive stuff there. Mm -hmm. So this movie sets up the potential that the series would have to really just give us some creative fun set pieces that they just yeah. really couldn't have done with the live action movies with the limited time and, you know, mm-hmm. live action, it's just more limiting. So there's that. And then on top of it, if you can get past the dialogue and the, the really corny subplot of you know, the huttling and mm-hmm. Dooku's machinations, if you can kind of put some of that aside and look at the possibilities of yeah. an Anakin Pat, um, yeah, of an Anakin Padawan dynamic and see how that would create uh, an added layer of sort of like uh, just, you know, drama and conflict and potential for exploration throughout a series. You realize that that's that's a really good uh, plot device to work in to keep the series fresh. So what they were doing is setting the table here and giving themselves all the tools and pieces they needed to make a really compelling show, but it was going to take a season and a half for that to really bear fruit. Um, that's the shame of it is that you're asking people to commit to upwards of 20 hours of television to yep. get to the point where they see what all this was leading to. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, it's on we, Netflix, so go nuts. Exactly. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, it, it's not going to, go very far like we know that disney's coming out with their streaming service so if they take it away from netflix it's gonna be on the streaming service yeah so this is gonna be available for binge watchers for a very long 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 time yeah uh but speak going back to this of just what people have missed so we had ben on the show for our solo review right and he was just baffled (laughs) by the whole darth maul scene yeah um and just couldn't understand it. Like, okay, how does this happen? Why are they doing this? This is so confusing. 
Um, What's a dathomir? Yes. Exactly. And, yeah. and he like went through all this stuff, and it's because he didn't watch the the Clone Wars. Mm. And, now, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you're absolutely right, right? Right. Like, it is rich to be able to jump into all the canon material that supports the movies. Um, but a good movie should be able to hold up on its own. You shouldn't exactly. have to invest a hundred hours in a cartoon to be able to enjoy solo. Yeah. So on the one hand, I don't fault him for not knowing what's going on because it, it shouldn't be required viewing. But yeah. on the other hand, how much richer can the experience be when the little Easter eggs and the little asides and the little moments that pepper a movie and make it a more fun experience um, when you're actually in on the joke or, you know, just exactly. can, can really pull in all that added atmosphere mm-hmm. that some people can't. Yeah. And I think that most fans, uh, most Star Wars fans knew that Darth Maul came back. Like, I think that that was well talked about because <laughs> I think, you know, it, the official move was like four years ago when they brought him back. Um, yep. Uh, and so I think that that's been talked about enough where people knew that he was back but didn't know what aspect and maybe didn't know that he was around for that long. Um, so I think that for most people it wasn't a big issue. Uh, but, you know, you have some that they see Darth Maul and they're like, wait, was that Darth? That wasn't Darth Maul. It couldn't have been. He got cut in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, yeah. So I, I completely agree with that. It doesn't need to be there. But there, there was something nice about seeing... Ray Park in the makeup again and uh seeing seeing him, you know, yeah. force it's a, pull a lightsaber in. It's a moment that works so much better if you have watched the Clone Wars because exactly. you're up to speed and you already accept that he's still part of the universe. Mm-hmm. If you have to play catch up in your mind in that instant when he's on screen and try and figure out, okay, well, I guess we didn't actually see him die. We just saw him fall mm-hmm. down a hole. And I guess maybe you could have robot legs. That's a thing. Vader had robot parts. Like if you have to do all that math and heavy lifting in your mind right. <laughs> in an instant to try and pull yourself back into the movie, that's a lot to ask. But if you've yeah. seen the Clone Wars, you've unburdened yourself to just now take the movie on its own terms and that's more fun. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for people that don't get to. Uh, stay immersed who maybe get pulled out of the moment because they don't have the context for a scene as much as I don't think that that really should be something that they rely on when they're writing one of the movies, the mass uh, properties, you know, the, the mainstream movies, they really should hold up on their own, but still it is what it is. And I'm glad that it didn't ruin it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm also the same. And I, I, and out of everything that may have quote unquote ruined it for fans and solo, I don't think that Darth Maul's in the top no. of their list. But no. uh, they yeah, would have checked it, out of the movie long before Maul yeah. showed up if they weren't on board. Yeah, and so yeah. I think that you know, cautiously moving forward, I think that Lucasfilm should uh, maybe steer away from things like that. But you know, Lucasfilm wants to be clear now that the Clone Wars and Rebels are canon, and I and I see more and more of them integrating. Yeah. Um, the, the animated series into uh, some of the live action stuff, whether it's mm-hmm. through mentioning things like uh, those certain things or showing it on the big screen. So, uh, but other than that, uh, John, is there anything else that you want to say or talk about with uh, Clone Wars 2008? Um, well, we've touched on a lot of it. Like we talked about the sound design and how weird that was in a star Wars movie. We talked about some of the problems with the way that they, introduce characters or dialogue but my the only thing that we didn't really touch on that i think is worth saying is that having rewatched it so that we could talk mm-hmm. about it on the podcast yeah. 
I enjoyed it. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't spectacular. I'm never going to call this one a Star Wars movie for the books. Mm-hmm. But time heals all wounds. You know, when oh, I can yeah. just sit down and watch it without being 2008 John with expectations mm-hmm. of it. And now I'm just kind of like lame old dad John. And I watch a Star Wars movie thinking, is this something that, you know, my kids are going to enjoy? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you kind of have a, a different perspective on what a Star Wars movie needs to be um, and you just sit back and take it on its own terms, it was perfectly good. Oh, yeah. Not great, yeah. but perfectly good and a lot of fun. And, you know, knowing where the Ahsoka character goes, it's a lot easier to take the young bratty version of her because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is a cool way to start her arc because she starts out just really, really bratty and really mm-hmm. obnoxious and you know, look at the, the weight that was put on our shoulders later that she then had to find the strength, the character to kind of like endure, um, kind of having that in the back of your mind and then seeing this younger version of her, it's far more charming to watch the movie with little context that way. So, uh, I had a lot of fun with it and I was surprised because I thought, oh, this is going to be a slog. I'm not going to even want to get to the end because I already know where the story is going and all I'm going to have to, to kind of hang my hat on here is a bunch of clunky dialogue, but no. No, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. I, I went into it this time knowing that I wasn't going to like the dialogue. I knew I wasn't going to like the music. <laughs> right. Um, but at the same time, uh, I love Ahsoka as a character. So her attitude didn't really ruin it for me sure. this time uh, because I knew where she was going. I know where, I knew where she was going to end up. Um, and I knew this was setting up for a relationship between her and Anakin that, that goes on for so long that when she leaves the, the Jedi council, it's, it's almost emotional for yeah. fans watching. Um, this movie so, stands yeah. because of the fruit that it bears. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and I had, I, I watched it this time with my five-year-old niece and she <laughs> loved it. Yeah. So, uh, she, I, uh, she, I watched it with my Star five-year-old Wars, daughter so. just to let you know <laughs> I did too. And so every couple minutes I look over to see, is she engrossed in it? Is mm-hmm. she not following? Like, you know, what's working and what isn't working. It was all working. Yep. You know, if, if that's the audience that they were targeting and yeah. you know what, Lucas has never shied away from saying, look, these are kids movies. I'm sorry if all you, you know, nerdy grownups are into them, but that's right. not really what it was supposed to be about. Um, yeah. You, you watch a kid between five and 10 years old, watch this kind of stuff. They're not worried about the dialogue, yeah. a snippy little kid they can identify with. They think like, yeah, they're sticking it to the adults. It's all mm-hmm. good. They're just having fun with it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, there's something here that is worth revisiting. And uh, if it opens the door to people that haven't seen The Clone Wars, all the better. Because there's a lot more in the series that is well worth the investment if you can kind of get over this hump. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's perfectly said. We also have to keep in mind that Star Wars, in part, was started by a kid playing around with Hot Wheels. Like, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that the, uh, So, of course, there's going to be aspects. Every single Star Wars film has these little, you know, cheesy, whether they're cheesy quotes or cheesy dialogues, they all have them. And I still love every single movie. Um, the clone wars. I, I want to say, I love the movie. I love the series. I'm excited to see where it's going. Uh, but I think this proves that with time, some wounds are healed because now people are asking, when are we going to see Ahsoka next? Well, let's, uh, let's think about it this way. In the time since our last recording, they mm-hmm. announced that they're going to round out the series. They're going to produce yeah. another season of Clone Wars. And that was met with the most jubilant outcry yeah. of nerd 
love yeah. <laughs> that that we've seen out of the the Star Wars fan community in a long time. Oh, so yeah. that says a lot about when you give something like this time to to grow and turn into what the creators of it really envisioned it it being. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just you know how how valuable and cherished that can become. So yeah, yeah. Clone Wars. It ended up being a surprisingly rewarding experience if not a clunky one at times yeah and i think the the biggest thing coming from that from the announcement of clone war saved was in the video as soon as the video starts you have some chatter you have some clapping you have some people screaming with joy Mm -hmm. but it really starts getting big as soon as they see ahsoka yeah and so to me, that was a big moment because I'm just like, wow, look at this. Ten years ago, people wanted to crucify this character, <laughs> and now they see her again, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting more Ahsoka. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so it's it's great. Um, I think the Clone Wars is – this whole announcement is one of the happier times that, that the Star Wars fandom has been since December of last year. <laughs> Yeah, this as will begin to make things right. Yeah. yeah, there's been a few missteps or at least, you know, from the fan perspective, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of challenging stuff for coming out of Lucasfilm the last few years. This definitely was a step in the right direction. This was something that everyone could get on board with and say, yep, yep, yep I will watch that. That looks good. There's no drama here. This is what I wanted. It's not kind of like Solo where a lot of them are saying, this isn't really something that I really wanted. So how am I yeah. supposed to get excited for it? People have been begging for this. Lucasfilm is saying, yep. We have all the reason in the world to create TV content right now because we got a streaming service that we got to fill up in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Disney's going to green light and budget anything we want. So by all means, let's go back and give the fans what they want here. We need a win. This is just this is a win, win, win. Disney mm-hmm. wins. Lucasfilm wins. The fans win. Dave Filoni gets to complete his vision. It's a win. Yeah. It's a great thing. And it all started with this silly movie in 2008 that was so brutally panned and dismissed that it really is amazing to mm-hmm. see just, you know, yeah. the the arc of the series and, and the change in fandom over the years. And that speaks a lot to just George Lucas's confidence in the story and in Filoni that he was able to continue down this road of creating the animated series mm-hmm. after this movie you know, bombs in the theater. Uh, and so I think it speaks to George Lucas having faith in his, you know, in Filoni and, um, you know, well, the, the nice point, they could have stopped it. It's true. It's true. Um, but it had a few things working for it. First off, this wasn't intended to be a movie. Right. When they originally crafted the story, they were planning on a television release as mm-hmm. the initial episodes for the series. So the expectations for the movie performing at the box office really weren't on Filoni, right? Like, right. yes, they, they beefed the movie up to make it work as a, as a feature, but I don't think Lucas was ever looking at Filoni and saying, your job's on the line here. This movie right, better work exactly. Be- because if you know the story of how Clone Wars came about, initially George Lucas was just going to cut them loose to create their mm-hmm. own vision for what they wanted the Star Wars series to be. But then as soon as they started coming up with ideas and drafting concepts and, and culling together what the series was going to be, Lucas was there every day, pouring over everything mm-hmm. and right in the mix and shepherding it. And so what the clone wars was by the time it hit the theaters. And then, you know, the subsequent first season was as much 
Lucas's decision and vision as it was Filoni's. Now, over time, Filoni was able to take that and run with it and move it in, mm-hmm. in interesting directions. But uh, yeah, Lucas, this this movie is what Lucas wanted it to be. And so yeah. whether it performed at the box office or not, he doesn't care. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, at a certain point, he can just sort of step back and say, whatever, this is, this is what I wanted to do. If people mm-hmm. like it, great. If they don't, great. I've already mm. taken so many hits over the prequels. Right. I don't care anymore. I'm just doing my thing. And that's mm. where we're at in 2008. And Star Wars is still George Lucas's thing. It you know, uh, if anyone has the liberty to do what they want with Star Wars, it's George Lucas because it came from his mind. It's his baby. Sure. Um, you know the stuff about the midichlorians being the next sequels, <laughs> like all that stuff. That's fine because it's him. He can do that. He can explore that because that's what he wants to explore. Um, and so yeah, I I don't think that anyone necessarily has the right to be mad at George Lucas who preciously and graciously gave us the baby known as Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I am forever grateful for what he has done, and I'm I'm still super grateful for what's happening at Lucasfilm today. Um, I really like that he was very hands-on mm-hmm. with the conception of this series because it feels like this was Filoni's boot camp that has allowed him to shepherd the other series. Now we're now yep. three series in, and he's still kind of the the taste maker, you know, he's still kind of the, the creative visionary that's trying to keep Lucas's torch alive at Lucasfilm. Um, and that's a good person to have in the mix. And it's a real, uh, valuable property that Lucas has in Dave Filoni because he had so much time to absorb Lucas's vision and, and just way of approaching storytelling. He was able to pull the best out of Lucas. And now over time, he's even learning how to fuse that with other strengths that maybe Lucas didn't have. He can have Lucas's passion for even the the spiritual aspects of it and really what the nature of the force is and all that stuff that really had to just issue out of Lucas. He can have some of that baked into him and still now bring in other creative people that can extend that and take it further. Um, it can make for some compelling television. And I hope yeah. that what they started with the clone wars carries through into resistance. And, you know, we'll find out this fall if they came up with another winner. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the best way to put that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm obviously rooting for resistance. The last season of clone wars. I think I'm most excited that Filoni just gets to wrap up his yeah. show with a pretty little bow on it, wrap it up how he wanted to. Um, I think that's what I'm most excited for is I want to see how he was planning on ending it mm-hmm. uh, because I, I think that this is going to, uh, we all know how it has to end, like how it has to end. Like we, we know that nothing's really necessarily going to jump out and shock us with the ending of the clone wars, but I think that Filoni can do something extremely creative with it. And I think, I think it's going to go out with the bang. Yep. I really do. Since we know that it's something that he's going to be passionate about because he had Mm -hmm. to step back with an uncompleted project, that's disheartening. That's your baby, right? So we know that he's going to bring his all to it. And that's Mm -hmm. just, that's awesome. It's awesome to know that the people involved really want to make it something special. And uh, I'm excited to see what they come up with. Yeah. All right. Well, John, is that all you got? Uh, I think, uh, you know, we're rounding out an hour here. It's probably as good a time as any to cap it. You know, we could, we could dig into the minutia, but I think this is a pretty solid, um, first foray into star Wars TV, which is the whole point of the podcast, right? We want to be the go-to place for a TV centric focus on star Wars fandom. And, uh, you got to start somewhere and it starts with the clone Wars. So here we are. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited for the, 
TV of Star Wars moving forward, it's extremely encouraging to me to see just how far Star Wars TV has come. Um, and so I look forward to it and I look forward to reviewing everything with you. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff coming down the pike, so, uh, we're going to be busy. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Are the people going to die? Please leave us a review on iTunes. For every 10, we give away some awesome Star Wars merchandise. And you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars TV Talk. You can also check out our website, www.StarWarsTVTalk.com. And a special thanks to Laid Wogan for this intro and outro music. You can follow him on SoundCloud.com slash Laid Wogan. Thanks for listening. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always.